This is the public speaker. Quick and dirty tips for improving your communication skills with your host, Lisa B. Marshall. Do you tend to avoid difficult conversations? If so, this episode is for you. And of course, it's for me too. You can learn how to improve your relationships with open and courageous conversation. If you have a strong impulse to avoid difficult conversations, you're not alone. We're taught don't rock the boat, don't open that can of worms, and instead of confronting issues, we retreat. Just recently, I was faced with a very difficult client situation, and I knew there was a problem, and I should probably address it. But I chose to ignore the problem, and I told myself, oh, I'm too busy, and I don't have time to deal with it right now. Besides, if I deal with it now, maybe I'll just bruise the relationship, and it probably won't change anything anyway. I know I'm not alone. Lots of people, many people, even those with good communication skills, occasionally they retreat when they're faced with difficult or stressful communication issues. We like to avoid sensitive subjects and instead just let the relationship flounder. Don't get me wrong. I do think you need to pick your battles. Not everything needs to be directly confronted. However, when we avoid important conflicts, it's likely to do more damage to the relationship than addressing the situation would. When you avoid communication, the vacuum gets filled with negative assumptions and ill will. Very small matters can blossom into conflicts, into big, unmentionable conflicts. And worse, these elephant-in-the-room conflicts, eventually they can get so huge that they demand your attention. In 2007, there was a survey, and it reported that because of failure to discuss difficult issues, nearly half of the respondents lost sleep. 10% reported some sort of poor health issue. 5% reported a loss of a job or even a friendship. So today I'd like to talk about six quick and dirty steps to help you have the talk and successfully have that difficult conversation. So as a young adult, when I would disagree with my dad, he'd say, well, Lisa, everyone's entitled to their own misguided opinion. And what he meant was that everyone comes to conversations with different backgrounds and influences and biased perceptions. And he wanted me to understand that although he understood my point of view, he disagreed. Especially when you're preparing for difficult conversations, I think it's important to think about the perspective of the other person. If you were that person, what would you be thinking? What would you be feeling? And what would be important to you? Sometimes, though, that's just not enough. If it's a really important relationship, and you don't want to hurt it by saying something really stupid, then you need to get a bigger, broader perspective. If possible, try talking to a mutually respected third party. And that third party can hopefully help you understand the situation better. With my client situation, that's exactly what I did. I called a third party that both of us knew really well, and I was able to get much more information from her, and I was able to hear the information without the emotion. I think it makes a big difference. If there isn't somebody that you can go to to get that support, then try to find other people who have gone through that same issue. You can probably even pay an expert who's dealt with the issue many times before. And the good thing about an expert is that they can help you understand not only the best approaches to a situation, but they probably most likely have encountered a number of different responses that they've heard in the past. So they can help you deal with what potential responses might be. So about five years before it was necessary to sell my dad's house, and about 10 years before he was ready to give up his keys, we talked to several doctors and social workers 
about how to talk to him about these life-changing issues. We also read and consulted a number of different websites, and then we talked to families that had already gone through these same issues. And because of that expert advice, we understood just how important it was to start discussing these issues before they became a big heated issue. As a way to deal with a driving issue, we bought this computer-based screening tool that measured mental, physical, and visual skills that you need for safe driving. And my dad was an engineer, and of course, having this objective measure of his driving skills was something that could be an acceptable way for him to start discussing this issue. Ten years ago, we were able to say, Dad, I'm sure your skills are fine now, but let's just document what you're able to do now with using this software. And Dad, let's just start talking about what you think would be a reasonable criteria for deciding when it's time for you to stop driving. For the house, we decided to approach it from a consequences perspective. We listed all the consequences of him choosing to stay in the house alone. And then we had progressive conversations about these consequences one at a time, moving from the least important to the most significant consequences for both him and for us. People need time. I think they need time to marinate and digest, particularly with difficult issues. So make sure you allow plenty of time. It took us years, several years, many, many, many conversations to talk about these issues with my dad. But if you start early enough, the only goal of the initial conversations is to be informative. And that makes it so much easier because the other person in the beginning, all they have to do is listen. Nothing has to change. They're just listening. And the hope is that with time, the person will change, will make a decision, improve, or take some sort of action on their own terms. However, if not, eventually the conversations may need to turn to the goal of persuasion. My dad was pretty stubborn when it came to the car keys issue, as I suspect I will be too. It was really important to listen to his concerns and make sure that he was satisfied that we understood his perspective. And that meant not offering alternatives at first. We just had to listen and reflect back his concerns. Yes, Dad, we recognize that not driving represents you giving up your freedom. A separate later step was to offer alternatives. But again, that step should come only after the party feels completely heard. Dad, here are some alternatives that would still give you freedom. We could drive you where you want to go, or you could hire someone to be your driver. You could use taxis or the town shuttle. There's lots of ways that you could still keep your freedom and still get around town without you having to drive. Yes, we understand that there's limitations to that, but certainly these are alternatives that you could consider. Again, the goal is to have the other party decide on their own which alternative is best. And that allows that person to exert some control over the situation. And it's a situation usually that seems out of control. Unfortunately, in some cases, that's still not enough. Even if you view the issue from their perspective, and even if you do prepare for the conversation with experts, and even if you do discuss the limitations and the criteria and the consequences, and if you've actively listened and provided alternatives, you still might have a difficult conversation. Ultimately, if the other person is intransigent, then no matter what amount of preparation you've made, the discussion is still not going to be easy. Some discussions are just that. They're difficult. In that case, I think you need to solicit the support of some higher level third party. And that way they can force the issue. For example, in the case of driving, many experts suggest having a doctor submit an unsafe driver report. And in fact, that's what we ultimately did with my dad. My hope, however, is that these quick and dirty steps will help you to have the talk and have a positive outcome without having to resort to the final extreme measures. 
This is Lisa B. Marshall, the public speaker, passionate about communication. Your success is my business. Finally, a quick shout out to some of the Facebook fan page newest members Tim Riggins, Peter Sasher, Agul Ka, Eob Hygiev. I'm sure I just butchered a bunch of names. I'm really sorry. Don Counts, Ismael Arroyo, Rosalind Nikin Tantono, Saeed Adil, Meredith Kuda, Katrina Powell Perez. Oh, I'm skipping a couple of names because I can't say them. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jason Lynch. And I'm going to end with, let's see, Muhammad Ali. Oh, come on. Muhammad Ali? That's what it says. Muhammad Ali, Kim Smith, and Sherry Strakowski. Thanks, guys. There's a whole bunch more. I really appreciate it. The fan page has really been getting more active lately, and I really appreciate all the input questions and comments. Thanks. Bye. If you have questions about how to communicate better at work, leave a voicemail at 206-350-7970 or email publicspeaker at quickanddirtytips.com. Sign up for Lisa's newsletter or get information about speeches and workshops by visiting lisabmarshall.com. You can find a transcript of this show and links to connect with Lisa at publicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com.